relationship. If there's no trust in the relationship. There's not going to be much of a relationship. So God is always at work trying to increase our trust because behind it he wants to develop this intimate relationship with him. So how is he going to go about increasing our trust through this life? It's one thing to read the scriptures, but obviously he's going to take that head knowledge and make it heart knowledge. So we can, we can say, yes, I do believe. Um, all right, so what were the D's? Do you guys remember the D's? We're on the fifth D today, which is going to be distractions, temptations, distractions. We'll look into Genesis um, 16. Again, we'll look at the life of Abraham for all of these D's, and then we've looked in the life of David um, also. But tell me, what are these D's? Do you guys remember... Any of these D's? So how is God going to increase your trust through life? Think of Abraham. First thing. First thing he had was a... Difficulty. Yeah, difficulty. He had a demand put on him, right? Or a command. He had some difficulties. Right? How are these increasing our trust, our faith? Demands, commands, difficulties. Delays. Delays. Divine delays. You guys like waiting on the Lord? He makes us wait, wait, because he's purifying us, he's pruning us, he's providing us, providing for us. Difficulties. Difficulties. Decisions. decisions. We just finished decisions, right. So all of us are faced with decisions. Should I go to the left, should I go to the right? Should I take that job, this job? How do decisions, because that's the last one. How do decisions, I'm going to, probe your memory a little bit more. How do decisions, what verse did we go to, Paul, how can decisions grow our faith, our trust? You remember, what, what verse did we go to? What Romans. Yes. Romans. See, now you guys know why I review. Romans 12, 1 through 2. What does that tell us? Here I am, I'm faced with a decision. What should I do? Should I take this new job? Man, there's a lot of pressure on me here. I, ah, I don't like it. I want to run from it, but I'm not really sure I'm supposed to run. Uh, relationships, whatever it may be, we've got these decisions. Romans 12, 1 through 2. I know it ends, which is your reasonable service, right? Well, that's one, yeah. Living sacrifice. Living sacrifice. Right. Does anybody have that? Do you want to read that quick, just to refresh? Because this is really critical. Um, Romans 12, 1 through 2. And we said decisions, we can have confidence in our decisions when our relationship is right. Because the decisions are going to flow out of a relationship. So how does that, these verses tie this all together? Gina, you have that? Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Right. So we can live in confidence if we're what? A living sacrifice, and we talked about that. What's a living sacrifice? This is key, guys, to our relationship with the Lord. We have to... Every day. Every day. It's not a once and done. It's a living. 
we're not dead. We don't. We are dead. I'm dead, but I have to continually be dead. Interesting. Intentionally. Huh? Right. Living for him. Right, and not for self. Right, and this is a constant war that we all face, living for me or living for Christ. But we said, and, and this is critical to this relationship. Why did Jesus die? To forgive our sins, but the ultimate reason was the relationship. So he died, and he's asking us to die for the relationship. Okay, so we need to be a living sacrifice. That means we surrender everything, all that I am, all that I have. It's yours. I have no rights of my own. It's all yours. And nobody tells us that when we sign up to be a Christian. Right? It's just here. Sins are forgiven. You're in heaven. But there's more to it. If we want to be a true disciple to deny ourselves, pick up our cross and follow him, we need to be a living sacrifice. Okay? And Gina, read that again. Living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Right. Holy and pleasing to God. So also he said our bodies, and that means everything, right? Mind, heart, soul, everything we lay on there. Holy and pleasing. We can't hold on to sin and say, oh yeah, I'm giving you everything, Lord. Now we will sin. We're not perfect. But when we do sin, we go back to the Savior. Lord, forgive me. I've chosen to sin against you, and that relationship is restored. So it is a living sacrifice. It's not a perfect person, but it's a heart surrendered to him. You know, we're going to make mistakes, and we're going to struggle, but it's the heart behind it. Okay, and then read the next. Um, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. All right, so there's a transformation that takes place, Right. And that transformation takes place in the mind. And what we're going to talk about today is the battle is really in the mind for all of us. It's how we're thinking. And we've said up here many times that we're trying to change the way we think, not the way the world thinks, but the way Jesus thinks. So whatever situation I'm in, I want to think the way Jesus thinks. And I'm totally surrendered, and now my mind is in tune with him, then I can test and approve what his good, pleasing, and perfect will is. So it's decision-making is born out of... If you want to live in the center of God's will, Romans 12, 1 through 2. And you don't have to be afraid or fearful. You can make decisions with confidence. You present it to the Lord. He may say, wait. You've got to be willing to wait. You know, the delays. But we can have confidence we're walking in the center of his will um, because... We prepared our heart and mind. We're a living sacrifice. We're his. Then the responsibility is God's, not ours. Right? We're abiding. John 15, he's bearing the fruit. So we're abiding. We've surrendered, not holding back anything. And he bears the fruit. Okay, so that's decisions and how they build our trust and our relationship. Now we're going to go into distractions. What was a distraction for Abraham? I think when he was listening to his wife Sarah, and they took things in their own hands. Mm-hmm. Just, right. Moral Very good. Story, don't listen to your wife. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, oh. You, you got back at him for last week, right? <laughs> Living sacrifice, just this husband's not a sacrifice, just get rid of him. Wasn't that what we said? Uh, <laughs> 
All right, so turn to Genesis 16. Genesis 16, and we're going to read 1 through 4. Genesis 16, 1 through 4. And if somebody could read that. Great. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarah said to Abram, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my hand uh, to my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarai. And Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. After Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan. So he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. Okay. So here we have it. We all know the, the, the blunder that happened in Abraham's life. We're going to call this a distraction. And what can we learn from this? So what is a distraction? When we're talking about distractions, we also might say temptation. What is a distraction, temptation? Something that pulls our attention off Christ. Something that gets our focus off of Christ. Okay. And this Good. was completely self-made. Right. Self-made. Okay. So a distraction. Was, yeah. Anything that takes my focus off of Christ. What is my focus? What am I talking about when you say focus? Um, goals. Uh, not goals. Because their goal was that um, Christ was going to have his covenant fulfilled. However, they were taking it upon themselves to fulfill Christ's end of the bargain. Mm -hmm. so. They were taking it into their own hands. Right. So when I say, when I'm going through life, and I say, well, you know, Rick, what's your focus in life? What, what am I asking? When you say they've taken their focus off of Christ, well, how do I focus on Christ? What am I supposed to do? Be glorifying him. Having How do I do that? Where is that in my daily life? I'm there's, walking through life. I think there's a simple thing where you obey the Spirit promptly, Justin, because every day when you wake up, of course you're, you're praising the Lord, but there's going to be things that are going to happen to you mm -hmm. that at work, I think Crawford brought this up, where somebody might come to you and give, be transparent and mm -hmm. tell you something, mm -hmm. and you're like, you're like wanting to do something else because you have a project. But now you have to take the time to listen mm -hmm. and then now empathize with their situation. And now God can use you in a mighty way to witness to them. Mm -hmm. That's an opportunity where you obey the Spirit properly. You have to do that every single day. And okay. I think that's what's good about focusing on the Lord because He's going to use you, but you've got to be ready. Right. That, that that's makes? right. No, yeah, you're, you're, I'm trying to get us all so we, we know what we're doing day by day. You know, like, um, let's say I'm teaching a student and. Um, like, God convicts me, like, okay, this student, you know them well enough, you know their personality, you know that you have to teach them in this way. And then you get to a certain point, and you're like, now this would work with this other student that's really effective with a lot of students. I'm going to do this. And God said, didn't you hear me? Oh. Mm -hmm. You know, this doesn't work with this student. So then I flick a switch, and I say, I got it from here. That's the problem. <laughs> okay. So what you're describing is 
how we need to go about life. And we talked about it in Romans here. And you sort of mentioned it's not my life. It's not my plans, my schedule. I'm available. I've sacrificed for who? The king, right? My life is his. And what you're saying is I need to be, my mind needs to be set on things above or set on the Lord. So focus to me, when I'm saying focus, as we're going throughout our daily life, whether it's business and you're in your cubicle or mom dealing with your kids, whatever it may be, the mind has to be set on Christ. And that's why it goes back to what we spent a whole nine months on, seeking God. If we're not spending time with Jesus daily, what Michael's saying, what Rick is saying, we're going to miss that. We're not going to be sensitive to the Spirit. So with the focus, if our focus is on Christ, and, and I, I always go back, we talked about this in Colossians 3. <clears throat> um, it's, I'll read it for you, 3, 1, um, 2, and 3. But since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts, that's the second thing, our desire when we get up should be to please God, not myself. God, what is your desire for my life? That's what I want, what you want for me. So set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So if I'm approaching my day with my mind set on earthly things, I'm going to miss what you guys are saying. All right, so our focus, I'm going to be distracted from what's most important. My mind's set on Christ. If my heart's set on Christ... Um, I won't be distracted. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. Do we see ourselves as dead? When Christ, who is your life, is Christ our life. All right, I'm dead. Christ is my life. My heart, my mind, our focus, we're going to be less distracted. But obviously, I mean, we don't know everything. But what, you, what Mark was saying is their focus. When I'm distracted, my focus changes Okay, so the focus of my heart and my mind is taken off of Christ and his will for my life. Obviously, that's what happened here to Abraham and Sarah. Would you agree? Yes. So we can learn from that. Would you say that there are times or what's happening and what's happening in their life that they may be more prone to a distraction? Distractions and temptations can come at any time, but I think there are times in our life and we might know when we're more susceptible to stray, to be distracted, to lose our focus of our heart and mind. What's happening to them? Time is passing and they're not getting their uh, the, the promise fulfilled. Just delays. There's a delay, right. It's during these delays that we're susceptible to distractions. Okay, so there's a delay. What, what do they say, right? So you can imagine Abraham and Sarai, or Abram and Sarai sitting down saying, hey, we've been here 10 years. It's been 10 years since the promise. We're getting older and older. Come on. You know, something needs to happen here, right? So there's this delay, this delay. Do you guys remember what happened to Saul? Saul was going to go attack the Philistines. Oh, yeah, and then he was supposed to wait for Samuel said, for the sacrifice. And Samuel said, I'll be there in seven days. 
And then Saul was like, oh, he's not showing up, let me sacrifice myself. It was the seventh day, right? He hasn't shown up. The soldiers are fearful. They're scattering. So what does Saul do? Take it upon himself. He took it upon himself. He gives the sacrifice, which is, we don't do that. You know, he, that's a, a law that only the priests give the sacrifice and, and he paid the consequence, right? He said, your kingdom will be taken from you. The delay, God will stretch that delay. Hopefully we're not distracted by what's going on around us and our focus of our heart and mind is Christ, not the situation that we're in. Rick? I was just thinking like that same thing. <clears throat> like, you don't know when a person's going to have like an aha moment when you're teaching them. And so if you jump in there and be like, I want your aha moment to be right now. Or, you know, when you're parenting... When you're parenting, the same thing. Parenting. You know? Oh, I uh, think delays, we all could attest delays. to that. What you're saying is the delay could be the situation that tempts us, where we're most susceptible to say, no, I want it now. So, uh, you know, you're going to learn obedience, so uh, I'm going to, you know, give you this uh, consequence right now. And God's mm -hmm. like, no, you know, you got to be more patient or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's not going to work. Right. So then it may end up being even longer than the, the student, <laughs> you know, right. or the, the child right. that you're parenting uh, gets, gets, gets it, it because you're not doing God's what God's telling you to do. Right. So we're susceptible, as they are, during these delays to distractions. Okay. What else is going on? There's another one of these happening to them. So these are when we're vulnerable, when these things are happening to us. But there's another, what, what, what's happening? What does uh, Sarai say? What does she say in there? In the beginning. Mm, she said, the Lord is, has caused it. The Lord has kept me from this, from bearing children. This is a, we said the Lord will allow these into our life, right? When we're under these difficulties. I'm under stress. Man, this stinks. This work. I'm under stress. I don't like it. I want to run. I want to get out of here. Or I, I see no, no way out of this. God's not saying anything to you. He's not showing up. He's not causing her to have a child. Right? We know God is sovereign over that, and they recognize that. But the Lord has not allowed it to happen. Okay, so during difficulties, we're also susceptible all right. Now, how did they fall? What happened? Some, uh, somebody said it. So whose voice? What does she say? Doesn't she say something about... In the, you must have the ESV, um, the way Mark read it. Abraham listened to the voice of who? Sarai. Sarai. We have to be careful that we're listening to the voice of God, not the things around. Not that we don't take, you know, your spouse's advice or we, we hear it, but who is the ultimate supreme voice in our life? It has to be Christ. So if we're not seeking him daily, that's why I say it's setting our hearts and minds on Christ to hear him speak. I'm going to listen to somebody else and not the voice of God. Frustration doesn't always sound like Sarai, where you're saying, like, you're giving her the benefit of the doubt. But 
she's saying that right. you know God's sovereign and <laughs> right. so it's not like Job's wife saying why don't you just curse, curse him right. Die, you know? right. <laughs> right it doesn't um, always sound that bad right you know? right exactly <laughs> <This other> voice. <laughs> um, that's right so we have to be careful. We're in the Word every day. That I always go back to that, and I hope you guys are doing that. It's easy to drift because we're distracted by the things of this life. And we're missing what's most important, time with the Lord. We have to carve that out, hearing, listening to His voice, um, and then we'll be less distracted. Next thing that we have to be careful for, who's, and you guys mentioned it, you guys nailed these right away, whose ability are they relying on? <clears throat> Right, they're making their own plans. Right, they know God's plan, but I'm going to make my own plan. So in the, in the NIV, which I have, um, she says, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my maidservant. Right, that's obviously her plan. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Interesting. I want to build my family. You know, he, she's so focused on that. She's, she's the one building it. It's all about I building it. She's yeah, desperate. Read the part of the Bible that uh, God helps those that help themselves. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So be careful of the voice we're listening to and whose ability. Remember, nothing's too difficult for the Lord. We think in human terms, oh, I'm old. God hasn't showed up in 10 years. This ain't going to happen. Maybe I heard him wrong. Maybe, Ab- Abram, you didn't know what you're talking about. <clears throat> Let's just do it this way. And they bail out and do it their own way. And how many times have we just given up our faith and our hope and said, forget it, I'm just going to do it my way. And we know that God has told us or impressed upon our spirit or it's in the word of God to do it his way. So remember, we're going to be very susceptible. We will fail if we're relying on our own ability and we're listening to somebody's voice other than God. Again, that doesn't mean God doesn't speak through godly counsel. Um, but be careful that you're walking with the Lord every day. All right. Even when we get godly counsel, we always, I think we're responsible to sift that godly counsel through our own time in the Word and with right. God. After right. We, right. we don't just take godly counsel and say, oh, you're right, let me go do that. You go before the Lord and put right. that at the altar and say, mm-hmm. is this what you really want from me? It's always about that relationship, that intimacy. Right. It's always going back to the Lord. Mm-hmm. That's right. Another thing we have to be careful from, and this is how the devil will, this is temptation too, but they had a need, and how were they going to get that need met? How was Sarah gonna, Sarai going to get that need met in Abram? How? Through somebody else. Right. Rather than... Right. So sin essentially is trying to get your needs met in your way at your time. So be very careful for trying to meet our needs in our way in our time. That is falling prey to a distraction or a temptation. She was trying to get their needs met, right? She's trying to get my needs met. Hey, you said we're supposed to have a kid. Well, we'll do it this way. Um, So be very careful. All right. So you guys answered the question, what is a distraction? What is a temptation? 
where the next question we've got a few minutes where do distractions temptations come from the world sometimes in the home from what it's sometimes right in the home so you're saying the world is what the world and in the home what do you mean by that well these are where they come from the world hey darn this was their home front this wasn't like uh, sodom and gomorrah type thing was lot where he eventually moved closer and closer this was right right in their own home oh. i mean okay comes from the world the home maybe slash family family so i'm going to expand on that flesh ah flesh okay Come can come from really at home, right in my own flesh. These distractions. What's that? You mean it just comes from us when we're bored, when we don't get what we want. Exactly. It's our own flesh, us. Because ultimately the world distraction is just other people distracting us or distracting themselves, so us. Right. Physical distractions, health distractions. Physical distractions. Okay. So I could sort of go back to us too. Physical. Okay, so maybe I'm in pain. That's a tough one, I feel, for people in chronic pain. I mean, you got something constantly distracting you. I have such mercy and compassion as a physician in those who are in chronic pain. Um, or the pain can be inside, right? In the heart and the mind. That may be even worse than the physical. you got this constant distraction because of whatever, anxiety or fear, or whatever it may be. Um, we need to have mercy and compassion on those. Um, okay, so where else can these distractions come from? The world, the flesh, Satan. Satan. Okay. Ultimately, are they all from Satan? Or not? All from sin. Sin? Okay, the devil, sin. Um, what else did I put down here? I mean, distractions can be from God because it could be part of his sovereign plan. To, I mean, maybe I don't understand. To grow you. Yeah, to grow us. Like he he had a storm when they were in the boat, and maybe unless unless I'm not following this well. Yeah. So right, I wrestled with this last night and this morning because the Bible says that God. It can't be a temptation. It depends if you're talking about distraction or temptation. You can't use them as symptoms. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So. The Bible says that God tempts no one. Right, right. Why? Because he's pure and holy. He can't. Mm -hmm. But then I can wrestle in my mind because he says he tests us. He, and I, you know, we're going to go into Deuteronomy probably next time. And he says that he tested them. and he's, he, he will test us and he will allow it. Um, so a temptation he allows, but it's not coming from him because he's good and he cannot it but he will allow temptation could he set up distractions absolutely he set up distractions in, in deuteronomy we'll see he says listen i'm sending you these false prophets are coming and some of the things they say are going to happen i'm doing that to test you to see you know who you'll follow but we'll, we'll probably won't get that today but right they can come or be allowed carmel by the lord but when we say temptation we have to be careful because god tempts no one yeah, I don't really think, yeah, I don't think, God's not going to put some hot, big blue 
woman walking the door. You know, he's not going to direct her that way. But I think storms are like, you know, things that are things that are out of our control. He he allows, but you right. know, I don't think he does. Right, and yeah. he allowed the tree in the garden. Right, my five-year-old said, "Dad, oh, now that why did God even put the tree in the garden?" It's a profound question. You know, it's it's a profound question. You know, and it's what did you say? Well, I guess I don't know if we'll ever know why God allows evil, but some of the glimpses I think that we have is that. Love demands a choice. That's right. Free will. Right. Love demands a choice. And in order for us to truly love, we have to have that choice. Amen. So evil is out there. And he provides us with that choice. Um, yeah, Rick. I guess, you know, sin can be in different ways. You could do it by sin of commission or sin of omission. And you're talking about wrestling. But a lot of people that suffer in that way, like they don't want to <clears throat> confront something. Mm-hmm. And so uh, when it comes up to it, it's God saying, but you need to have a wrestling match with this. And you say, I, I'm not a, really a wrestling type. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to take that on. Mm-hmm. And he just keeps on confronting you with that. Right. I'm going to back off. Like, you, you don't do anything with it. Right. You know, and then eventually, you know, passive weakness, about it. you're probably going to, you know, give in. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, we're going to have to wrap up here in a minute. Um, uh, uh, I got one minute. Uh, I said on here, are the distractions in life the same for everyone? No. And they can vary throughout your life. Yes. May not be a distraction today, but man, don't judge your brother who's having that problem because it may hit you six years from now. You know, so... Be very careful. They can they can come. They're not the same for everyone. And it lets us have mercy and compassion on those who are undergoing um, other difficulties. Um, what does it depend on? What do you think our distractions depend on? Where does Satan hit us? Where does the world hit us? Our weaknesses. Our weaknesses. Or, I guess you call it addictions, right? Or addictions. Our desires, it can appear to appeal to our flesh. It can appeal to some weakness that I have um, at that point in time. So we can go through the scripture of time, but, you know, there's obviously when Jesus was tempted, you know, he was hungry, right? He hadn't eaten in 40 days. And then he was questioning his authority, you know. Um, so he can attack us in many different ways, pride, fleshly appetites, etc. Um, when do they hit us? Charles says... Um, Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Halt, that's halt. right. Um, they can hit us oftentimes. I mean, they can blindside us out of the blue, but I always remember David. When did David fall to Bathsheba? He was idle. He wasn't doing what he was supposed to do, right? <clears throat> so they can hit us, you know, at weird times, but um, the next question we'll get into is... We can't do it today, but we'll move into why then does God allow these distractions, temptations? You know the answer, right? Ultimately, to grow our trust in our relationship. Um, all right, so we got to head over to the, the booth, but I do encourage you, <clears throat> get in the Word every day, because we will not be distracted. Like I, have, I tell my wife, I said, I'm absolutely dependent on the Lord. 
I can't fight this battle. If he doesn't do it, I'm going to fall. And he showed me that early on in my life. That, you know, I thought, oh, I'm walking through life avoiding all these sins. Yes, yes, look at me how strong I am. And then he, he confronted me and said, no, it's not you. You could fall in a moment. If you're not dependent on me, you will fall. So we have to be in the Word every day, not in fear, building this relationship. Out of this relationship, again, we're, we won't be distracted. Because my heart is focused on Christ. My mind is focused on Him. But it doesn't happen. We have a responsibility. And that responsibility is really Romans 12, 1 through 2. Meditate on those verses. Go over them. God, am I holding back anything from you? You know, we have to do that daily um, because we're so prone to get off course. All right, I'll close this in prayer. And I do want, um, would you guys pray too? Are you staying here? You're staying? Just pray because there's a big um, emphasis um, on getting those 400, 500 people into a discipleship community. Pray that they would find the right spot and that we would be welcoming and available to whoever um, comes our way. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's true every time that we can stake our claim on your word and know you are faithful and that it will come true. God, you are worthy of our hearts, of our lives, of everything we have. And we want to daily lay them down before you. And we ask that you would transform us, that you would renew our minds, that you would give us the desire to set our heart and mind on you and you alone. And Lord, you're so gracious that when we do give up, that when we do yield, that when we do lose our life, you give us so much more. The abundant life becomes ours. And from that, Lord, this relationship develops. And we're grateful that you reached out for us, that you've given us your Holy Spirit. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. You said 12.30, right?